You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, episode 238. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm your host, Christina Cantors, speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I'm all about helping high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. You can learn more at thecmethod.com. Now, have you ever experienced anxiety? You know, the pounding in your chest, maybe churning in your stomach, maybe a, a sense of impending doom. Maybe it comes up for you in certain situations or maybe it's something you live with most days. Whatever the case, in today's podcast, we are exploring how to beat your anxiety for good. And this is uh, an episode that I'm really excited about um, because I think, you know, we all deal with a degree of anxiety at some point in our lives. I myself uh, experienced some anxiety this week. Aaron, my lovely husband, and I purchased our very first home. Um, and that, i got to say, brought up all sorts of anxious feelings for me. We went to an auction on Sunday. We bid there and then it was a couple of um, nail-biting days, but you know, leading up to signing the contract and seeing if the vendor was accepting our our offer and that sort of thing, but we got it all signed off and it's all official. We are officially homeowners, so we're very excited. Um, but this was a big step for us, um, a very proud one as well, but very big step. So I have been dealing with those feelings of anxiety this week. So I'm very excited to introduce you to my very special guest, Sam Taylor from The Nurture Project, who will be guiding us through what anxiety is, uh, why we have it, and how we can learn to to overcome it or, or at least minimize it um, effectively. So Sam Taylor is a wellness specialist She's a, and, a, and a speaker, and she specializes in helping women to live lives free from stress and anxiety. And what I love about Samantha is that she has a very holistic approach to her work. So she she understands how mind and body need to work together to overcome anxiety. And she believes that, you know, we all deserve to feel strong and to feel in charge of our lives. You know, so she's not about, you know, popping a pill to get rid of something. She has that holistic approach. So you can learn more about Sam at thenurtureproject.com. And uh, she has an online program where she helps women to develop life skills of, you know, exercise, nutrition, meditation, um, and other areas as well, other pillars, so that they can overcome anxiety. In today's conversation, uh, Sam explores with us, you know, why we have anxiety, where it comes from, and she takes us through each of those five pillars to, to help us with our anxiety. So even if you experience anxiety, you know, on a, on a small level, maybe it's just when it's public speaking, or if you experience anxiety, you know, more frequently or, 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 or quite strongly, then this is going to be a great episode uh, for you to listen to. So my first question to Sam was, you know, what is your definition of anxiety? What, what is it exactly? And how do we know uh, that we have anxiety? Here's Sam Taylor. 
A lot of people talk about anxiety and they say, oh, I feel really anxious and mm. I've got anxiety. So and what, they, what a lot of people mean is that they're a bit stressed. Um, stress and anxiety are different things. Right. Anxiety is that feeling of a churning stomach, um, pressure on your chest, racing thoughts. There's this overwhelming feeling of impending doom, um, headaches, it's insomnia. And although some feelings of anxiety are normal, it's when that anxiety doesn't go away, mm. when it's there for no apparent reason. That's when someone could be considered to have anxiety. Right. So it sounds like it's a very physical it's, symptom, like it's a physical reaction. It's a physical and a mental thing together. And right. it, there are six different types of anxiety. Okay. So there's not just the one thing. I think a lot of people think of anxiety as being either social anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder, but there are lots of other types of anxiety as well. Okay. What are the other types? So well, there's PTSD, right. um, there are phobias, agoraphobia as well. Okay. Yeah. So what generally causes anxiety? So there are lots of different causes of anxiety. There isn't, there isn't just one thing that causes it. So we've got, uh, it could, there are some genetic, there is a genetic, can be a genetic predisposition to anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certainly some chemical changes in the brain that happen once somebody has developed anxiety, but generally those aren't the causes. So there are many, many other causes, uh, can be learned behavior. Um, it can be a traumatic experience. It can be, um, and one of the main causes of anxiety is actually chronic stress over time. So that's a number one indicator that someone's going to develop anxiety is actually chronic stress over time. So for example, uh, if you've got, you know, financial troubles or, um, you know, an unhappy marriage or a job where you don't feel valued or appreciated, uh, and you, you're experiencing that stress for around 10 months is Mm -hmm. kind of what, what the current research shows, then there's a good chance you could develop anxiety from that. Right. So I think a lot of people sort of think, oh, maybe it's a genetic thing or it's in my genes or it's in my DNA, but it's not. It's um, A lot of it is actually in the way that we live. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I meet a lot of people who get really anxious about public speaking, right? So like if they've got yeah. a presentation coming up, they feel that impending doom of mm. like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Is that is is that um, like a dangerous type of anxiety or is that more of your everyday type of anxiety? That's a really common anxiety. And uh, I've heard uh, recently that that f- fear of public speaking is actually a fear of rejection. Mm. Um, and that's that's where that comes from. It's that idea that, you know, people are, people are going to reject you as you stand up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that if you have a, so that means if you are, you know, if you're anxious around public speaking, chances are you're anxious in other areas of your life if you have that same fear of rejection. Yeah. In other different areas. Yeah, but public speaking definitely brings it out. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that heightens everything. So um, my understanding is that you have experienced some anxiety in your life. Yes. Um, would you mind sharing, you know, what, what that looked like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, So I've had anxiety my whole life, Uh, even as a child at, um, I remember um, six, seven years old, you know, having that churning stomach, churning, um, you know, Mm. feeling in my stomach, real stomach pains. Uh, My parents were constantly taking me to the doctor, uh, you know, thinking that maybe I had some sort of stomach bug or gastro, but they could never find anything wrong with me. Can I ask what was creating that? Did you know at the time? Uh, well, my parents were divorcing at the time okay. and there wasn't going, their relationship wasn't going very well. And, um, I think I 
you know, I, I heard a lot of things and not that I'm blaming my parents. <laughs> Sorry, mum, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it did have a, it did have an impact on me. And it, 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 you know, my anxiety developing coincided uh, with that. So there's a chance that that had something to do with it. I d- mm. haven't delved too deeply into it. Uh, it was only, and then, so it carried on these feelings of anxiety through, throughout my childhood, my teenage years. And then eventually in my twenties, I was finally diagnosed with anxiety and, um, I was put on, you know, the doctors explained to me that I had a chemical imbalance in my brain, uh, that was causing me to feel the way that I felt. And that if I took this medication, it would correct that imbalance and I would feel better. So they so, prescribed you So they prescribed medicine. me, okay. um, SSRI antidepressant medication. So sure. one, one type of that, um, sertraline it's called. And so I started to, I started to take that. And after about three weeks, I started to feel a little bit better. But at that point, I was also really struggling with the side effects um, from the antidepressants. So for me, that was weight gain, insomnia, difficulty achieving orgasm, mm. and the night sweats. Mm. So the night sweats were so bad that I had to sleep with three towels on top of me and three towels underneath me. Wow. And I would take them off layer by layer throughout the night as I soaked them in sweat. Wow. Which, you know, on the plus side meant that that side effect of difficulty achieving orgasm not a problem because there was no way anyone was going to come anywhere near me <laughs> dripping as I was in my own bodily fluids. Oh, that sounds lovely. So, yeah. So that was, that was my first experience of, um, SSRI antidepressant medication. And then, you know, over the next six years or so, we sort of cycled through a whole heap of other ones. So, um, you know, Effexor and Valdoxin and, you know, a whole heap of them. And I had, you know, Pristique, um, which gave me brain zaps. Um, you know, the, just combinations of different ones and nothing worked, mm. you know, despite the fact that I was doing everything that the culture tells us to do, which is go to the doctor, take the meds. I was still in a lot of mental anguish mm. and but um, your anxiety had subsided somewhat. No. So mm. it's still, I was by this point, my anxiety, I had anxiety, but I also had depression by this time I'm married. I've got two young children and we were on a family holiday and I found myself awake after everyone else had gone to sleep, which is a really common side effect, a really common symptom of mm. anxiety and depression. And I, um, you know, I, I just found myself that thinking I can't live with the pain of being here anymore. And so I started to write goodbye notes to my, to my daughters and to my husband. And, you know, although... I didn't end up going through with what I was planning to do that night. Uh, I, it was the moment that I realized that something had to change and that I was not managing, the, you know, um, my, my, my anxiety, which had turned into depression. So not long after that, I began to do my research mm. and I wanted to understand why I felt the way that I felt. And I wanted to understand why, as a society, we are getting more and more anxious and more and more stressed um these you know we've got serious cases of anxiety and depression you know every year rising every year do you know how many uh well at the moment there are 2.6 million people in australia with a diagnosed anxiety condition yeah but you know only 35 percent of people with anxiety get a diagnosis right for it so that figure is more like seven 7.4 7.4 million, something like mm. that. My maths is not good on the fly. I'm sure there'd be lots of people who just ignore it and go, oh, it's fine or it's just a stressful period at work and that's it and I'll get over it. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people with anxiety just think that 
everybody else feels like that. That it's um, normal. And that it's normal. Um, do you ever, have you ever heard the 19th century um, experiment of the frog in boiling water? Uh, it tried to – oh, no. Oh, wait. Let me guess. Yeah. They put the frog in cold water and as they boiled it, the frog didn't jump out because it didn't realise it was being boiled. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the premise – like, so if you put a frog into, straight into boiling water, it'll jump yep. straight back out. But if you put a frog into cold water and you gradually heat – the water over time the frog will boil to death and the the hypothesis is that the frog is because the water is heated so gently the frog doesn't realize that mm. the water is the water's getting warmer and so he boils to death and that is a horrible experiment <laughs> but um also a really good um, metaphor of how we how stress affects us right because um, it starts small it starts small up. you know those People who don't realise that they're stressed or don't realise that they've got anxiety, they're the frog in the water and the temperature's rising, you know. And what's normal, what's then a sign of when it all, you know, when they come to realise, you know, what's the turning point for a lot of people? Well, the turning, I've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of people with anxiety and the vast majority of them only realise that they've got anxiety once something happens. So they have an accident or they, um, you know, develop IBS or chronic back pain, or they have a skin condition that yeah. doesn't clear up. You know, something happens which acts as a circuit breaker. And then they start to deal with that, and then they start to look at other aspects of their life. And then they look back in history and they go, wow, I have had anxiety all this time and I didn't know. It's like being in a bad relationship. Yeah. Like you don't know until you're out of it and then you look back and you go, oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Like that was some serious bad stuff going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's just think it's really important for people to just be aware that they may not know that they have anxiety and actually one of the best things to do is take a test. Yeah. Get yourself checked. There are so many online tests that you can do for free that are self-administered that are the same tests that doctors use to assess the, assess the severity of someone's anxiety. There's one on my website. It's a free one. Ten questions, yeah. two minutes, you know. It's okay. worth, it's worth right, we'll, doing. We'll link up your website so people can go do that test if they want to. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm guessing that you did your research, you learned yes. what what helped you, and that's now why you help other women to do it as well. Yes, exactly. So uh, I started to research all the ways that you can help to get rid of anxiety without taking medication. Not that I have, not that I'm anti-medication. I think it's definitely got its place. It helped me for, for a little while there. But um, I think there's also an awful lot else, other things that we could be doing. Yeah. Um, so what are the key areas that you found to be really important to, you know, key components to helping people um, to overcome their anxiety? So the first thing for me that I started to do was exercise. And I know that's not going to be the first choice for everybody, but that really helped me. Uh, and it actually, there's a lot of research out there that shows that exercise is, uh, going for a brief 10, 15 minute walk is as effective as taking an anti-anxiety pill. Amazing. So, and it lasts for hours. So yeah. it's definitely something to, to try. Um, obviously, the longer you do it for and you develop a regular exercise practice, the better you know, the, the better it is for you. Um, people who exercise regularly are less likely to develop anxiety. I blame, uh, win so I shouldn't blame winter, but in winter, 
I tend to exercise less because it's cold, it's dark, I want to be at home. And that's when I find, I actually find my mental state starts to, like it's not as strong. Um, yeah. I start to get a little bit, I don't want to, I don't want to say depressed because it's definitely not depression, but I, mm. I feel a lot more down um, and I attribute that a lot of that to not exercising as much. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I, I'm the same as you. Like I, I like the warm weather. I don't like going outside and I don't, I stop running in the winter because just my hands get too cold. Yeah. <laughs> but I've bought a few weights and I have those in the living room. And yep. I actually really love getting up in the morning and sticking on my favorite TV show and just lifting some weights while I watch it. So, oh, nice. Okay. You know, Good that's tip. something. Yeah. <laughs> so what, el- what else is key? So there's exercise and um, meditation. Meditation, I'm, sh- you know, I'm, I've I've listened to a couple of podcasts where you've mentioned meditation before. Yes, we've done some episodes about that. Yeah, yeah. So everyone so, listening, if you haven't heard those, go back and listen to those. <laughs> yeah. So meditation is huge. Um, meditation actually changes the physical structure of your brain. It causes the parts of your brain responsible for empathy and um, perspective taking to get bigger, and it causes the parts of your brain um, responsible for the f- for fear and the fight or flight response yeah. to get smaller, like actually physically smaller. Mm. Um, that's really important for people with anxiety because it shows that through meditation we can actually make some real changes, uh, and that's what meditation does. Um, it also helps you to um, to learn gratitude. It helps you to recognize negative thought patterns that are going on in your head. Meditation is a fantastic practice for anyone with anxiety. Okay. Awesome. Tick, tick that one off. Yeah. What's, what's the next one? Uh, so we then got nutrition, um, nutrition, uh, maybe, maybe people, maybe a lot of people don't know that there's a link to a deficiency in quite a lot of nutrients, um, and anxiety. So there are certain nutrients that we need to make sure that we're getting enough of so that we can combat anxiety. Nutrients such as selenium, um, antioxidants, um, B vitamins, um, and folate, uh, zinc, magnesium, uh, and omega-3 fatty acids. Right. So we need to make sure we're getting enough of those. And the way to get enough of those is to eat a wholesome diet. So a wholesome, there, there are lots of different wholesome diets, but essentially that's a diet that is rich in a variety of fruits and vegetables. Um, and then checking your proteins as well, making sure that you're eating, um, leaner proteins and more fish, um, and then including nuts and seeds Mm. as well into your diet. Awesome. And what you don't eat is as important as what you do eat. So avoiding processed foods, fatty foods, alcohol, um, sugar, right. As much as possible. So they're going to actually increase your anxiety those, the more that you eat. Yeah, those things, um, those things are foods to avoid for sure. Right. So I guess, you know, if we're, if we're at work and we're feeling stressed and we get a, like a bag of chips or something as, to like soothe us, it's actually not very soothing at all or, yeah. a, blo- or a block of chocolate. Yeah, it's look, there's not nothing – I mean, dark chocolate's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, dark chocolate's okay. Uh, yeah, the white chocolate and that really sugary mm-hmm. milk chocolate, probably not so much, but – yeah, nothing wrong with a couple of squares of dark chocolate. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Good. We've got your seal of approval. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, so where have we got to? We've um, exercise, nutrition, meditation. We'll touch on sleep briefly. Okay. Uh, so sleep is essential for, uh, you know, for, for your mental health, for your mm. physical and your mental health. Uh, there's, I think it's something like, um, it's a huge percentage. It's something crazy. Like, um, you know, a third of the population just doesn't get enough sleep or wakes up tired, uh, every day. So what we focus on at the nurture project is creating really healthy sleep routines and sleep habits, sleep hygiene. 
Can you explain what sleep hygiene is? So it's for for us, it's tips and tricks, things things to do around sleeping. I don't. I think a lot of people. I was just talking about this this morning with, with somebody, but a lot of people don't realize that. Um, your your inability to fall asleep or your insomnia or you're waking up in the middle of the night, your sort of interrupted sleep patterns um, have quite a lot to do with the other things that you've done during the day. It's not just, oh, I can't sleep and sleep's the problem. It's mm. like, well, actually, it could have been that cup of coffee you had at four o'clock. It could be the fact that you got into bed an hour before you intended to and watched your iPad. It could be that you decided to go through your to-do list for the next day mentally as you switched off the light. It could be that you've sat at your desk all day and you haven't moved your body you know it could be the processed food that you've eaten during the day it could be a couple of glasses of wine that you had as you cooked dinner you know there are lots of things that you or the the blue light on your screen you know there are so many things that people do during the day that they don't realize are impacting their sleep so when do you would you recommend that people shut down their screens before sleep look ideally you know an hour and a half or two hours before bed I recognize that that's a really hard ask for a lot of people with those two hours Read you a book. Have a bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take do some self care. Exactly. Actually. Yeah. Read a well, read a book. Have a bath. Um, talk to your talk family. To people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get really creative. Oh, play a board game. Yes. Or maybe like do some like make some cookies, but like don't eat them. If they're yeah. Them. Like make some cookies and then freeze them for like late next week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to be good with our sleep and make sure that we shut down our screens and do some, you know, calming. You know, I find that um, if I listen to some calming meditation music, so not like a guided meditation, Mm. but if I listen to some music for like 20 minutes before bed or if I lie in bed and put it on, that helps me get to sleep much quicker and then I wake up feeling much more refreshed. Great, yeah. So that's, that's what I find works for me. That works for a lot of people. So it's that first uh, five hours after you've fallen asleep that are the, the 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 deep sleep that you get. That's the best quality sleep yeah. that you get. So the quicker you can fall asleep, the better. What are your thoughts on when you sleep or the, the number of hours you get before midnight? Because I've heard some people say, it counts for more if you're in bed before midnight. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure about the science behind that. Okay. Um, I think it's definitely a good idea to go to bed well before midnight. Yeah. You know, just getting that first. Not a lot of good things are happening past past midnight. There's no reason why you should be awake <laughs> past midnight, really. I mean, you know, unless it's a rocking Saturday night, I guess. But, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> then it's like, you know, night never ends, basically. <laughs> I know, I sound so boring now. Like, <laughs> No sugar, no alcohol, <laughs> go to bed before midnight. But rager <laughs> on the weekends and that's fine. 80-20 yeah. rule. 80-20 rule. And that <laughs> 80-20. Brings, yeah, yeah, well, that's a real part of the program as well. And looking at self-care, you know, not having these absolutes, saying sure. you should do this and, you know, you should always be like this. It's like, well, you know, you've got to enjoy life too. I mean, you know, eat, yes, have, have sugar, but don't have it every single day. So um, I know that self-care is one of the other components that you you teach people. Yes. Right. So can you, can we dive into that a little bit? Because I think that's so, so important that many people don't do enough of. Um, How do you define self-care? So self-care is for us, it's about taking care, taking care of yourself. Mm. Um, It's about making sure that you 
do those things that you need to do. And I do, self-care, I think uh, a lot of people think of it as going for a massage or, um, you know, getting a pedicure. So it's more than that. Yeah. So self-care is time for self-reflection. It's time to really understand who you are, to ask yourself questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Um, what are my values? You know, what, are, what does success look like to me? So understanding yourself, personal growth, I think that is self-care. And why is that important for helping us to overcome anxiety? Well, because if you can live a life true to your values and true to your purpose and you know what success really is to you, then it immediately takes away a lot of the other stress. If you know who you are, uh, then you don't have to live your life by what other people think or what society thinks. You can live a life according to your values and you it immediately makes for a happier, calmer person. And all those other things like exercising and meditating, you know, they all fall into place once you know who you are and you love yourself and you give yourself that space to breathe. When did you start doing that for yourself? I think I'm still doing that. Like it's, uh, you know, I started that started... Um, maybe seven years ago now. Yep. But I think that it's a a journey that doesn't end. You know, you have to keep reminding. It's crazy that I have to keep reminding myself to make time for myself and I have to keep reminding myself to love myself, you know. I think it's a little bit sad in a way that that's not something that comes naturally. Mm. Um, and But I think I don't think it does come naturally for a lot of people. Some people are super confident and you know, maybe they've had a different life experiences and, and they don't they don't find that very hard. I know my husband, for example, is just, you know, just a really happy guy. Yeah. <laughs> loves himself, Mine loves everybody too. else. <laughs> and it's nice and easy. And maybe it's, a, maybe it's a male thing. I think a lot of women find that a little bit harder. I was talking to a friend the other day and she is fantastic. I mean, she's got the biggest smile on her face the whole time. Everybody loves her. She's got an adoring husband, great kids. She's got her own successful business. And we were talking about this topic of self-love and self-care. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm just not there yet. You know, she said, I, have, I can't say to myself, I, I love myself. And that, that really blew me away because to look at her, you think she has everything and she's so confident, but, you know, inside she's not. And I think that's something that we all need to develop because if we can love ourselves, everything else in life falls into place. Absolutely. And that's when we start to attract great people into our lives as well. I totally resonate with that. And that's something that my husband has gone through as well. Aaron, he, he told me that once he started doing things for himself and learning to love himself and going, you know what, I don't need anyone else's, you know, I don't crave anyone else's love because I love me as I am. And he thinks, well, he says that that's what brought us together. Because That's I was beautiful. also, because I was also in that place, and we were both in a place where we didn't need a relationship. We didn't need anyone to complete us. But we both loved ourselves and found each other, and we happened to enhance each other's lives, you know, with more love. So that's he, a great way to start a relationship, isn't it? I mean, I so. when you're two people who don't need each other, and you can just yeah. come together, it's beautiful. I think women, especially, um, tend to want to support and nurture others first and I meet a lot of people who like they tell I had one woman um we're going to start working together with one-on-one coaching 
And I said, is there anything else that I could help you with? Like, what else is it that you'd like to work on? And she says, um, my organization. I'm like, okay, what do you mean by that? And she said, I just find myself like I have so much to do all the time. I can't seem to organize my week. I'd really like some help, you know, organizing my week and my days and my tasks. I'm like, okay. I said, do you happen to find it very difficult to say no to people? And she goes, yes, all the time. I'm constantly saying yes to people. I'm like, okay. So maybe it's not an organizational issue. Maybe it's the fact that you are putting other people first and not you first. Mm. Is that something that you find with the people that you work with? Yeah, and that's one of the that's that's what we uh, we start off talking about week one. Actually, All right? Okay, it's about finding that time for yourself and learning to say no or trying it out. Uh, as women, we find it really hard to say no. We will, we tend to be people pleasers mm. as a general rule. So. Once you can learn, once you learn how to say no, and often, you know, we we should be better at saying no, because really, what is it that people are asking us? They're asking us for a piece of our time, for a piece of our life, which we're not valuing if we're just giving it away to whoever at any time. Saying no is a way of saying, look, my time is important and what I want is important as well. There's a saying that goes, I can't remember who said it, but it's when you say no to someone else, you're saying yes to yourself. Oh, that's lovely. And it works opposite. Every time you say yes to someone else, you're saying no to yourself. Yeah. That could be construed that way. Awesome. Was there any other element that we missed? No. No? That's five. The five pillars. The five pillars. Exercise, nutrition, meditation, self-care and sleep. So for someone who is thinking right now, okay, I think I've got some anxiety, you know, I've got maybe the stomach churns or I, you know, can't, I'm finding it hard to sleep. What is, what is the first step that someone can do to get them started on this journey? The first thing would be to pick something that you think, I mean, if they think that they've got anxiety, say they've taken the test, they know that they've got anxiety. Really, it's about starting to look at your life and working out what you can put in place to help. So if exercise is your thing, maybe start with a bit of exercise, try and get that regular, you know, or meditation, just 10 minutes a day. You can see the effects in 10 minutes, um, in 10 minutes a day for seven days, seven to 10 days. You're already seeing the benefits of that. Definitely putting time aside for yourself, trying to, trying to maybe, you know, read some self-development books, personal growth books. They're great for helping people to discover who they are. Can you recommend one? What's one of your favorites? Oh, I am reading at the moment, Reinventing Your Life. Ooh, okay. Who's forget, that by? I forget. It's too oh, – I'll tell you later. Okay, you can sure. put it in the show notes. Sure. But um, it's great. They talk about life traps uh, and all the different life traps. So one of the life traps is um, unrelenting standards. That's my biggest um, life trap, <laughs> which basically means I'm a perfectionist. And it talks about how when you've got unrelenting standards, for example, uh, that you you tend to expect far too much of yourself and other people around you and you're constantly disappointed and you can never relax. You can't enjoy life. You can't enjoy any achievements because you're always on to the next thing. Yes. Um, so it talks about the different life traps. I think there are like seven or eight life traps that they talk about. There's that and then there's catastrophizing and um, all or nothing thinking. So it's a great book. Awesome. Okay. Well, look, Sam, this has been so amazing talking with you and um, I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge and your beautiful energy with everyone. Um, Can you tell us a bit more about the Nurture Project and the programs that you run? 
The Nurture Project is a 12-week online program for women. And we help women to learn the life skills they need to defeat anxiety for good. Um, and those life skills are those pillars that we spoke about earlier, exercise, nutrition, meditation, self-care, and sleep. We ran a pilot program last year and where medication has between a 25 and 30% remission rate, we achieved an 80% remission rate from our wow. pilot. So at the moment, we're just getting the first uh, few hundred people uh, through the program. Uh, and then we're going to go ahead and publish our research paper so that we can prove our 80% remission and um, and go from there. So wow. that's the that's where we are at the moment. So. Fantastic. And so who can join? So at the moment, we're looking for women between the ages of 35, uh, th- well, 35 plus, really. Mm-hmm. We're getting quite a lot of um, interest, actually, from women over the age of 65 as well, which is fantastic. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Sam. This has been uh, super wonderful. Thanks, Christina. A big thank you to Sam Taylor from The Nurture Project for being such a generous guest on the show this week. I want you to have a think about, you know, out of those areas that she mentioned, what, you know, think about what's one thing that you can start to implement to help you um, to feel more calm, more centered, more balanced, and to reduce the anxiety that you experience. You can learn more about Sam at thenurtureproject.com. I'll also link up to her website and the other uh, resources that we mentioned in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 238. Now, if you found this episode valuable, then I would love if you could share it with someone who you think is also going through this, or if you know someone who you know, uses language like, oh, I'm so anxious, or I feel so stressed all the time, or, you know, if they feel a bit overwhelmed, then share this episode with them. And, you know, it might help them to to see that they are, uh, to go back to that metaphor of, you know, maybe they are the frog in the water that's slowly boiling and they don't realize um, that they are um, going through some anxiety. So share it with them and help us to get this message out. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I will talk to you next week. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs>